Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Have you noticed how whenever we do these introductions, I'm starting to rely on potty humor? Yes, I have. Stop it. Coming to you almost live from an old western saloon, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. And I'm Adam. And we are your hosts. With us in the studio today, we have two young playwrights and first-time fringers. Yes, first-time fringers, uh, Mr. Simon Crowley and Mr. Mike Young. Welcome to The Unknown Studio. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about the fringe today. Uh, it's basically in full swing now here in Edmonton. And, uh, and you guys have something of an unusual play that's already started to uh, generate some buzz. Captain Hook versus the Zombies. Now, before we dive into that, perhaps we should give a little background information. Uh, not all of our listeners are necessarily from the Edmonton area, might not be familiar with what the Fringe is. Now I think you're just being hopeful. All <clears> ten <throat> of you, listen carefully. <laughs> okay. The, uh, the Edmonton International Fringe Festival, basically it's a big theater festival, would be the best way to describe it. It, uh, it has indoor performances, outdoor performances, buskers, what have you. Uh, Edmonton currently boasts the third largest fringe in the world. We were the second. Australia beat us. Edinburgh, where fringe started, of course, has yeah. the biggest. Edmonton has dropped to third, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, that just means it's on Australia. Watch your, watch your back. We know where you sleep. Uh, yeah, so the fringe. So this is your first play. Uh, your first involvement in the fringe at all? Well, if you don't count... Uh, if, <clears throat> if you don't count busking with an electric guitar when I was... Uh, 16 and I really hope you won't then yes this is my first involvement with the fringe well I I count busking but let's assume that no one else does what about you Mike I've volunteered before as everyone should mm -hmm. uh, and done a little bit of tech here and there but this is the first time I've taken responsibility for a play and uh, on a scale of, of, of just awesome to downright terrifying how has it been uh, it has ranked a solid, oh my god, oh my god, I'm going to die, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I imagine this is kind of a huge responsibility. Yeah. So this is a unique play that the two of you co-wrote. Yes. Well, I spewed out really dumb ideas and Simon made them actually awesome. But yes, co-wrote. I'll take responsibility, sure. Okay. Simon, you're a writer by trade, yes? Yes, that's my Sweet. job. So um, how on earth did you come up with the concept for this play? I think the idea was Mike's. Um, he had another play that he wanted to wanted to do and asked me if I would have a look at the script when he'd finished, and I said sure, and then he decided he didn't want to use that script after all, and he said, well, why don't you write something with me? I'm thinking Captain Hook and Zombies, and I said, that sounds like an excellent idea. And so we uh, holed up at a cafe with an unreasonable amount of caffeine, and what, two, three days? Um, I, I mean, we slave for months, really, yes. over yeah. every oh, single line, every, just every word from our souls. Yeah. It was, um, and yeah, Mike already had the actors in mind, so the roles were sort of written for them. Nice. Um, I kept trying to throw in really expensive special effects, and uh, I kept throwing my cup of coffee at him, <laughs> and in the end, it worked out. So you have you have that's what the, these burn marks are. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, okay. Well, it's a good thing we're in this saloon. Uh, they don't know how to make hot drinks here, uh, unless you count prairie fires, which are hot only by virtue of the Tabasco sauce contained within them. I got talked into trying one earlier. I don't recommend it. Yeah, so uh, that's good. Um, 
you took a few months to write it. Yeah, of oh, course. Many time. months, yeah. No sleep at all. And then I, I was speaking, uh, well, Scott's uh, fiance is a, a fringer herself. She's doing tech for a play. And I guess that they started uh, uh, rehearsing very early on. When did your whole process after the script had been written begin? Immediately. Um, so what, when are we talking? Well, the Fringe Lottery is in November, and in some hazy period between November and I think January or so, they actually say you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Simon and I slaved away for months and got the script finished at the beginning of May, May. I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And rehearsals started the next day. Wow. It's a, it ended up being a huge play, so we had to start early. I don't think there's a fringe play of our size in terms of number of cast members or choreography. And now, I know for a fact that most fringe shows uh, try to keep things small. And that's partly so that everybody gets a cut of whatever, whatever money you manage to make. Uh, so I'm curious, how many people are in your show? We have a cast of 12. Which is enormous by fringe standards. And there's a reason that other shows are small. It's because they're smart. I'm not. <laughs> All right. Um, and you, so you had these cast members in mind. Uh, what what was your rehearsal schedule like? Was it pretty grueling? It was. Uh, we started off with readings uh, once or twice a week in May. And uh, as soon as we were able to start securing rehearsal space, we started choreography in late May, early June. We started fight choreography at the end of June once we had our zombies picked out. And the last couple weeks has been at least two or three times a week. Um, Some weeks, four times a week, just as often as we can to get everybody in because it's hard to coordinate 12 schedules and get everyone together. So it's been very piecemeal. I bet. Uh, And you both work full time, don't you? So, And I imagine most of your cast do as well. I think so, yeah. Or are they all actual zombies? Pesky day jobs. Um, I don't know. As far as I know. I'm pretty sure almost everyone works some sort of a regular job, um, except one person sits out on the corner with an electric guitar busking. I don't know what's up with that. That's 17-year-old. Awkward. (laughs) (coughs) Um, Anyway. So the play has, it's already been running, and um, by the time this podcast is released, you'll have had, I believe, three shows already up. So... Obviously, you're, you're sort of figuring out how things are working, and, and you've already had opening night from where we're sitting. How did that go, opening afternoon? The, the show itself went excellent. It's a tribute to every cast member that they managed to pull together such a great show. The 48 hours leading up to that were the worst of my life, and I hope that by quantities of alcohol, I can erase them from my memory forever. So I understand that you, uh, you, well, part of what you do, Mike, is that you design sets for plays. Yeah, theater and film. Okay, and uh, and you managed to kind of mess up one of your set pieces. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, we have uh, one of the stars of the show is the evil Dr. Crocodile. And the evil Dr. Crocodile has a laboratory, which is supposed to have a large and imposing panel of blinking lights and pulsing things and bubbling beakers. It's very evil and it's very imposing. And right now it's very broken because we worked all night to finish it up. And as we went to load it into the venue, um, the sidewalk is bumpy and cracky and it ripped a caster off and knocked off some of the stuff and we couldn't fix it in time for the show. So it's back in my garage. 
Cool. So your garage looks really awesome. My garage is the best garage on the block. <laughs> We're going to have a party there afterwards, and it's just going to be like a weird steampunk neo-trans kind of party. <laughs> that sounds awesome. I can't help but feel a bit responsible because I'm pretty sure the console was my idea it to put was in the script idea. along with disembowelments and... Don't you know, forget uh, the volcano descending <clears throat> from the ceiling. The volcano descending from the ceiling, the miniature Stonehenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I probably wrote in about a... Cu- I, I assumed we were going to have about a couple dozen zombies when we were writing it. Mm. And Mike was like, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll feel lucky if we get half a dozen. And I was like, it's not my problem. You're the director. Yeah. <laughs> also, he wanted Peter job. Pan to fly around the stage. Yeah. Um, which is why I got a small Peter Pan so I could pick him up and throw him. <laughs> but for some reason, they nixed that idea. Fair enough. I, I mean, there are all kinds of liabilities associated with yeah. throwing people. <sighs> we're not a union production. We don't have insurance. I don't care. <laughs> Now this show sounds uh, sounds very involved. You have a lot of special effects you've just thrown out. How did you manage to get that stuff together? Um, well, I have discovered that sleep is optional. <laughs> I didn't know this before I started, but if you just drink enough caffeine, anything works well, and also you can taste color. <laughs> so what's your favorite color? <laughs> Purple. <laughs> nice. Mm. nice. Um, well, I've got uh, one of my business partners, the stage manager, Jay Houtson, has taken a lot of responsibility and done a great job getting our costumes ready and helping me out. And we've had some tech people who have stepped in and helped out. And uh, yeah, lots of non-sleep. Uh, we have great sound effects. We have as good a lighting as you're going to get for the Fringe. Nice props and great actors. So that's uh, hopefully enough to make a good experience for everyone. Now, um, you have zombies in your in your show. Zombies, by their very nature, come from a very gory genre. I myself, uh, I went and saw in Calgary earlier this year, Evil Dead the musical. Very bloody musical. Um, how bloody is your show? We weren't actually allowed to make it bloody at all. Um, there's several other plays that use the same stage as we do. Um, some, like, immediately after us. And just the logistics of mopping and scrubbing and, you know, the potential for people to slip and hurt themselves. So it's it's stylized violence, I guess you could say. Tarantino-esque um, without the gory splattering blood. So really lots of tricks and tight clothes. Oh, Fair enough. I'm going to see this play. That's our selling point. Uh, so uh, we've talked a little bit about your process. What's the actual play about? I will field this one. Um, (laughs) Sucker. Zombies have overrun the countryside, and it's up to the noble and heroic Captain Hook to stop them, along with his sidekick Peter Pan and uh, their associate Smee. And uh, the daring adventurer Wendy Darling shows up, and they hack and slash their way through uh, horde after horde of shambling zombies in search of the evil Dr. Crocodile who's behind the whole dastardly plot. That sounds like something he'd do. It is. Uh, so, and you mentioned earlier before we started recording that this is, in fact, a prequel. Um, or is it a reimagined uh, version? It's sort of a... It's kind of both. Yeah. Um, you definitely could take the established Captain Hook, Peter Pan mythos as continuing on from this, minus, you know, the zombies and everything. Um... Yeah, we did. We did have it in mind, sort of, that this tells the story of how Captain Hook and and Peter Pan got their start in in their relationship. Um, obviously, as colleagues, they're not enemies yet. Um, but can you do you get hints of that based on their interactions at um, all? Or did you yep. try and guess? Yeah, they, yep. they're, they're, there's conflict. They don't they don't really have quite the same style of heroism. Um, 
and uh, so there's 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 a bit of conflict there. Mm -hmm. um, right on. Were, were you inspired at all by obviously zombie movies? I'm guessing, but uh, they've there have been a few uh, call them mashups, I guess, of, of uh, the zombie genre with other things such as Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Was this derived from something like that? Well, actually, up until this, I'd been a little scornful of how zombies were the pop culture flavor of the month, and you know, Pride and Prejudice and zombies and and all that stuff, and. To, to their credit, they're doing Sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters next. I just <laughs> want to throw that out there. That's, well, that's what's going to five times fast. <laughs> sense, and, sense and Sensibility and Sea Monsters. Sense, no, I can't. I can't. Um, and now that I've actually contributed to, to that... Um, You're part of the problem. Now, I, I am no, part now of the problem. Awesome. I am now part of the problem, and I just have to shut my mouth and cash my check, basically. <laughs> and it's going to be a huge check. Yes, it will be many tens of dollars. <laughs> For me, uh, my main inspiration was the movie Hook with Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams. The first 95% of that movie is awesome, and I love it. And it has a noble doc, noble uh, Captain Hook. Sure, he's evil, but he's still noble and righteous. Lawful evil. Lawful evil, yes. He's obviously young. following a code. Yes. That's actually Indeed. an excellent film. It I, is. I really do enjoy it. Right up until the end when he stabs Pan with a hidden dagger and is like, huh, huh. that really made me sad and I hated whoever wrote it. Hmm. But the first 95%, if you just click pause right up before the end, it's a great movie. Uh, I quite liked the uh, the 2003 adaptation, which had uh, Jason Isaacs as Captain Hook. He He's most famous for playing uh, Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. He makes a very sexy Captain Hook. If I may, uh, and yeah. and he's very very good, and it. it's a very good movie. He, I would argue, he makes the movie. That's just me. Uh, but there's, the movie? it's Peter Pan, oh, okay. two thousand three. Oh yeah. I think that Lucius Malfoy makes a sexy Lucius Malfoy. He's, he's so, well, Jason Isaacs is a great actor. Deliciously evil, <laughs> and he's got long blonde hair. Kind of reminds me of Vigo from Ghostbusters too. Mm, ah, Vigo. <laughs> Did you guys? I was in HMV the other day, as an aside. And do you know what Ghostbusters is in French? It's SOS Fantôme. Nice. <laughs> Which I do That's not. Fantastic. Well, I don't get it though. Like, is it SOS, comma, there are ghosts here, or is it SOS ghosts help me, <laughs> or and someone help me? I don't know. But I thought that was a, a nice little Frenchism. It almost, it almost seems like English in in French. So there you go. They should have just called it. There is no movie, only Zool. <laughs> Um, how has it been hanging out on the fringe grounds? The other the other people who have plays, that whole fringe community, have you been able to sort of tap into that and, and get support from other people? Uh, as far as the play itself, uh, no, I've had my head down in the in the trenches uh, for far too long. But now that we're actually started, uh, it's nice even just hanging out at the artist services line, uh, which I was today, talking to a couple other producers and just trading stories and uh, now that I actually have time to wander the friends' grounds with some degree of sobriety, uh, I don't guarantee how much, I look forward to actually seeing some more. And uh, there's some people I know who have shows on that I look forward to seeing, and it'll be nice to actually make those contacts and get to know them a bit better. But in terms of actual support, the Fringe staff has been great, but I think everyone just has their nose to the grindstone and can't look up until we get started. Now, I've heard that, uh, that that in years past, the fringe, the people managing the fringe, the organization running the fringe, uh, changed hands a little while ago, mm -hmm. and there were some bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, stuff that had to do with online ticketing and buying tickets at venues and stuff. Have you noticed any any major hiccups, or has the festival gone? I mean, it's only been on a few days now, mm-hmm. but um, we're pre-selling a lot of tickets. Yeah, really? the the <clears throat> I'm trying to phrase this politically correct. The technical systems of the fringe have not worked in any way that I needed them to. The people behind the fringe, uh, Thomas and Jen and Kristen, have all been fabulous and have fixed every problem and have done their very best. But uh, as far as things working the way they should, not yet. They're still ironing out bugs, unfortunately. Uh, That said, things like online ticketing is working great and uh, pre-buying, that's working great. They have a a 30-second review thing that somebody's spamming with one-star reviews, but apart from that, it's working great. For shows that haven't even opened yet. Yes, I was talking to a producer today. His first show is tonight. He already has three one-star reviews. Why Why on earth would anyone do that? I, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called the internet, and it's basically full of assholes. Yes, where Where is. can I get this internet? <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, that's unfortunate that the trolls are... Well, okay, I'll say this. It's unfortunate the trolls feel the need to ruin or try to ruin something like the fringe. But by the same token, it's cool that the fringe is popular enough that it's attracting yes. trolls. <laughs> well, um I think the fringe must have gotten listed on 4chan. That's what's doing it. Oh god, don't even <laughs> Don't, don't even. give them that's the not ideas. Even, that's not <laughs> even funny. Now, this is all wildly off topic though. Yeah. Wildly. Oh, that's off okay. Topic. That's that's what just <laughs> Wait, we had a topic. <laughs> we, we were talking about uh Back to the Future, weren't we? I think we were. And your shirt. Yeah. Mm. I'm wearing a Back to the Future shirt. World. What do you think of that? <laughs> uh <clears throat> good. So you've got how many pl- how many times are you guys putting the play up? 6. 6. And can you tell us uh which days? It is showing uh, in Internet World. It is showing on uh, Tuesday at around two thirty mm-hmm. at the uh, the Ospac, which used to be the Cosmo venue number eight. Venue number eight, yes, which we of course have on every poster, so everyone will know. Simon's gonna shiv me in the face on the way out. Uh, we're showing Tuesday at two thirty. We're showing Thursday at I believe it's four forty-five, and we are showing Saturday the twenty-second at nine thirty. And uh, I'm happy to say we're already pre-selling a lot of tickets. I've been really happy to see that as, uh, you know, someone who has a lot of money riding on this. Uh, I've been happy to see that. We're probably half sold out for today's show. That's great. And that's that was last night when I checked. So that's not even counting all the people who are going to enjoy our zombie walk and come see the show because of it. Now, uh, you you say that you have six performances of the show. But you also put a heck of a lot of work into it. Do you feel that six performances is enough? Do you feel that that you that vindicates the amount of work that you put into it? Well, we are of course going to be held over after the fringe is done. Uh, they pick the very best plays and they hold them over for a couple extra shows. Uh, we've already got the time booked off work. We're so. expecting to be held over indefinitely. Yeah, uh, actually, an institution <laughs> kind of like Dynasty. Yeah, just Captain Hook versus the Zombies forever. All the time. We're just going to show at the Walterdale every Saturday. Yeah. It'll be great. Now, Dynasty has a bit of an edge in that they have a different show every night. Oh, we yeah. will too. It's fine. You know what? You know what our selling point is. Every show, one of the zombies will be topless. Will it be a guy? Will it be a girl? You'll have to show up to find out. <laughs> I'd only go if the, every show the zombies were pantsless. Because mm. that's just really more upsetting and uh, viscerally gross. As far as zombie makeup, that's not something I want to see with the zombie makeup mm. on it. No. Mm. I don't even care if it's one of the female actors. It's just not <laughs> right. 
Um, are you guys, like, seriously hoping, obviously, uh, to be doing this after the Fringe? Like, have you actually booked time for holdovers? No. no. Uh, the Fringe, they des- they decide based on whatever random monkey throwing a dart at a dartboard they have. <laughs> Which uh, is ultimately really how the Fringe lottery works. It really too. is. It was a monkey with machine gun. So you lucked out this year? Yes. Um, my understanding is the Fringe gets roughly twice as many applications as they can actually handle. Holy. So they have the lottery. We have 45 local shows that have a spot, and we were picked number 44. Wow. Yeah. Now, because of the lottery, it, it is difficult uh, one would argue very difficult to actually get a spot in the Edmonton Fringe, and and I know I've got I've got friends who are playwrights who are directors whatnot who uh, apply year after year, and it has been many years since they've been in the Fringe. Have you guys applied before to get in? Is this like just the first time you've actually did it, or did you guys luck out on your first try? Nope. Last year in November, I well October. I went, boy, I really need to do something to get some more experience and uh, generate uh, more interest in the company that we're starting up. And also, I just really like to create something. It'd be really nice to be in the fringe. No, no, I'd never get in the fringe. That's not going to happen. Well, I suppose I'll just take a look and wait, it's a lottery. Anyone can get in. I could have done this years ago. Oh, crap. (laughs) So you guys really just lucked out on your first go? Yep, pretty much. Um, I put in an application, and my business partner uh, also put in an application (laughs) because no one would ever put in two applications themselves for the Fringe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, and uh, one of them got picked. So we were lucky, and it was the first first shot of it. And uh, if you can edit out me saying I'll do it again so my wife doesn't hear it, yes, yes, I'm definitely going to do it again. Has it really been like a, a torturous process then? Just like, because I, I understand that like Simon did the writing with you and I imagine you're, you're helping where you can, but you're really the point man on all this. Uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's consumed a lot of my life over the last few months, there's no doubt. Simon has helped out immensely. He's been our uh, media point man, as it were. He's done the poster and the uh, press release. Um, and well, press kit, really, although I don't kit. know if anyone ever actually looked at it. I downloaded it. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, at least right. one person saw it. Success. Awesome. You know what? If we can find the other person, we'll thank him, too. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been Scott. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's like any play. Like I've worked on uh, several plays in a more technical role in the past, and it's like anything. It consumes your life for a while. Mm-hmm. This one's taken more, and given the scale of it, uh, it's consumed more than other fringe people have probably put up with, but at the end of the day, we just do it because we've killed our brain cells with alcohol. Yeah. I mean, because we love theater. Also, a uh, special thanks to your wife for putting up with you. Um, you know what? I said that when she said yes, when I proposed. <laughs> By the way, thanks for putting up with me. Uh, yeah, no, she's been understanding. Uh, my friends have been understanding. The people that I call up the day before going, oh, by the way, Simon, I need you to do this, and I need it done tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, They've been really understanding, and uh, just everyone. I mean, nothing can go smooth, and with 12 people, especially nothing can go smooth, and it's really worked out. Everyone stepped up, and there's no way you can do something of this scale without everyone putting their best foot forward. Yeah. So for for you, this is a a launching point. Well, uh, something that's going to hopefully help the business that you've created. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us its name and, and a little bit more about what you guys are up to? My God, that sounds almost like an advertising Well, spot. it is. I mean, you're on. We may as well uh, let you do it. Uh, the business is called Apocalypse Arts, and uh, apocalypsearts.ca is the website. 
is my my pet peeve when Canadian companies pick .com. I'm saying this on the internet. I don't care. .ca is Canada. .com is U.S. From Learn a, it, people. From a search engine optimization point. Doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense. Doesn't, oh yeah. You know, it doesn't matter. Google, Google loves all words. Google <laughs> does not care about .com. But anyway, apocalypsearts.ca is the website. Uh, we've spent the last few years working with local uh, film and uh, local theater in and around the Edmonton area. Uh, we specialize in building uh, sets, designing and building sets for theater, for film. Uh, we've worked on music videos. We've uh, worked on commercials. Uh, we have a great commercial coming up uh, that we're involved with for Movie Prop Services, which is an excellent local company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have some more films coming up. I'm hoping to be uh, working on producing and possibly directing a short coming up soon too. So we're, uh, we're tr- really trying to uh, position ourselves to fill a need in the community, which when we started uh, a couple years ago, we saw there was nobody around who you could go, hey, I need to build a, uh, an old-timey saloon. I need to shoot there. Can you make me one? Nobody could do it, and everybody was relying on volunteers. So we thought, you know what? We love doing this. We're going to start it up, and that's where we are now. Well, when Scott and I eventually create our own old-timey saloon, instead of just spending time in this one, I'm going to call you. I would be happy to make it. Uh, Anita is um, really interested in a lot of the technical end of uh, theater, and she stage manages. Anita isn't Scott's personality, his other personality. It's his fiance. Oh, Oh, I thought he named his sock puppet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he didn't. (laughs) Her name's Anita, and she's a real person. Simon, you lied to me. And And she's nice. And she's delightful. She is delightful. Don't forget Um, beautiful. Yes, yes, that too. That too. Well, I, I'm totally hitting on his wife right now. I, you know, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, she's uh, she she has taken schooling to be a stage manager. She's stage managing a show at the Fringe this year. Uh, she's always been interested in more of the technical end of building things, like set building, prop building, especially. Um, clearly, you have some background in that. Uh, where did you go to learn it, and how involved is that? Uh, well, I started my education in this fine business when uh, someone walked up to me and went, hey, I really need some help building a set. <laughs> and that was it. That was my first involvement. Um, there are courses available, and one day I really hope to learn how to do this properly, but right now it's been all on-the-job experience. And I think given the interactions I've had with people who've had proper schooling in it, I really think the best way to do it is just to jump in with both feet. But I say that with everything. Arguably, that's uh, true with anything in the arts. With all due respect to people who have uh, taken any sort of arts uh, schooling, mm-hmm. that uh, there's only so much you can learn in a classroom. Exactly. And when it comes to the arts, it is best to just go and paint a picture or get on stage and act or sing or whatnot. But yeah. speaking from personal experience, don't try to jump in with bo- both feet to be like a welder. Oh no! That is something that you should get proper you know, school. Maybe for. maybe working with large power saws also. That's why uh, my car is now a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> also chainsaw juggling. Kids don't do that at home. No. Do they have uh, schools for that? You know they better. Otherwise, <laughs> there's a lot of poor poor people walking around. Well, we're on the topic of fringe. Fringe has buskers who go out every year, do magic tricks, or play some music, uh, or uh, juggle, or walk tightrope, or what have you. Uh, I have some friends who are street performers, by trade, I suppose you could say, and uh, at least three of them 
have self-taught themselves to juggle. And I know that at least one of them has actually looked at the price of juggling chainsaws <laughs> and discounted them not because of the danger associated with them, because of the cost associated with them. <laughs> Apparently, it is very expensive to get a juggling chainsaw. So uh, there you go. You can, in fact, learn how to juggle chainsaws by yourself and feel confident enough to do it. That's the moral of my story. I'm That's a good story. I'm still not going to try. No. no. So, so I, Simon, uh, you, uh, you're a writer. Uh, are you hoping to do anything, to use the play as a launching point in anything, or just to add to your roster? Um, I think it makes an interesting bit of color on a resume. Um, I am really not a playwriting kind of, I'm not a fiction writing kind of person. Um, honestly, a large part of the writing was me saying to Mike, so what happens next? <laughs> <laughs> because, um, yeah, like the whole, you know, plot triangle, rising action, climax, I can't, I've, everything I write for fiction comes out people just sitting around talking to each other. Oh, so, for, so it's like a Kevin Smith movie. Basically, <laughs> I could probably write a really good Kevin Smith movie, um, but not so much with anything anyone would actually be interested in watching. Um, so I would definitely collaborate uh, again, probably not with anyone but Mike, because I can't see it working this well with anyone else. <laughs> um, but it's been an amazing experience. And again, I actually haven't seen our show yet. Um, so after we record, you're going... After we record, a couple hours, I'm going to go and see it all done totally for the first time. I sat in on a bunch of rehearsals, and even just from that, seeing something that you've written come to life like you know just sitting down in a coffee shop just typing away and then you're watching it happen is just been unbelievable for me what do you write normally if you don't normally delve into I'm fiction I'm a professional writer I do writing for um, companies uh, just he writes TPS reports TPS reports <laughs> fair um, enough <laughs> I've done media things press kits uh, just corporate communications that kind of stuff really dry boring stuff I have Oh God, eight years experience in technical writing now, um, which is really dry stuff. Um, I'm working for a utility company right now doing their business writing. It's, yeah. It's, so again, uh, it's, so writing a play is a little outside of your comfort oh, zone oh, when yes, it comes to writing. Oh, yes, a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I write poetry sometimes, not that I anyone, usually let anyone see it, but uh, that's about the extent of my creative writing. And he has a chat is. book available. No, it's not available. There. I sold all of them. Uh, right. You're going to make some more because no. this is going to get a million hits. Did you? On this <laughs> did, I told you there were only tens of listeners. Yes. Um, um, did you actually produce a chat book? Yeah, self-published. But they're actually they are all, all gone. And since I don't go to school anymore, I don't get uh, really elaborate access to really elaborate printers for free anymore. So, um, and honestly, it was only my friends that bought them. So. You <laughs> no. Now, to be fair, uh, immediately as soon as the fringe closes, I'm locking Simon in a room, and we're writing the next project. Uh, I don't. Oh, by the way, Simon, we're oh. writing another project. <laughs> which, I told you. which actually uh, was going to be my follow-up question: Would you write another play? And um, apparently, he just answered that. <laughs> yes, you want. You yes. will write another play. So uh, it's almost like we're married. I'm answering for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love you, Stephanie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I would. Um, I would. I've definitely learned from this. Um, I do think that perhaps my reach for what I thought uh, we could actually accomplish in a fringe setting may have exceeded our grasp, because <laughs> um, we don't have two dozen zombie extras and we don't have a multi-thousand-dollar special effects budget, and we aren't allowed to bleed all over the stage. <laughs> um, so maybe something smaller. Yeah. 
Have you guys thought about doing something other than uh, than plays, like going and doing shorts? Like you said, you're gonna. Yeah, actually, uh, my next project that I have in mind is actually a film short, and uh, and a full feature film as well. Um, I, I actually prefer film to theater, to be honest, just because you don't have to spend four months rehearsing. Mm. Uh, just out of curiosity, is your is your short or film project going to involve zombies again? Well, one of them is now because it worked so well. <laughs> it's going to be a touching human drama about like a grandmother dying of cancer, and then zombies will show up. Ah, that's, Just out of the blue. That's how I. That's how I want to go out. There'll non, be a knock at the door. Who's there? Goons. Non sequitur zombies. Awesome. Yes. On that note, then I think uh, I think it's a good time to jump into the fast fifteen, or possibly the fast. 16, as you have uh, two guests here. That's correct. So I, I don't know if either of you have listened to our podcast. Um, you will alternately be asked questions. You each get one pass. So think very carefully about where, when you want to use that. And I'm going to ask you each uh, eight questions. The last two questions that you each get are wild cards. I, I just change those every time. Oh. All right. So we'll start with Mike, and then we'll go to Simon, and then back and forth. Uh, pressure's on. Here we go. Fast okay. 16, Mike, your favorite food? Spaghetti. Simon, your favorite color? Blue. Mike, uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? PC. <sighs> uh, for those of you who can't see what's happening, Simon just gave Mike the middle finger. Simon, dogs or cats? Cats. Mike, your favorite holiday? Halloween. Simon, your favorite sport? Hockey. Mike, your favorite pastime? Sleeping. Simon, your favorite music at this particular moment? Josh Ritter. Ooh, Riri. Very nice. Uh, Mike, your favorite movie? The Hudsucker Proxy. Simon, a movie that you hate, but everyone else seems to like? The Big Lebowski. What? I know. You know what? I've, I've never said it out loud before, but I got to get it off my chest. I don't know why everyone likes The Big Lebowski so much. I I know. I don't know where we go from here, except I just think, keep asking questions. I think I leave Simon and he hitchhikes home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, Mike, your secret shame movie, the movie that you love but everyone else hates. Um, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I'm going to pass on that. Right. Everyone passes on that one. I know, and I, I've, got, I've got like a litany of them that I like, and no, and everyone else is like, you're an idiot for liking this. <laughs> uh, Simon, your proudest moment. Oh, golly. <clears throat> I'm going to pass. I don't know. Everyone passes on that one, too. I have so many. I just can't choose. Oh, He's so I, awesome. I have so proud many. Proudest. That's just, I, can't, I don't think I can narrow it down. Uh, He's enough. such a proud guy. <laughs> Mike, your favorite chocolate bar. My favorite chocolate bar, Twix. Okay. Uh, Simon, your favorite Star Trek series. Next Generation. Thank God for that. <laughs> Mike, your favorite British sitcom. Oh God! There's too many. Um, um, I'm going to go with. Can I have multiple answers? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Top of the list is the IT crowd. Honorable mentions to Red Dwarf and um, uh, Hustle. Nice. All okay. good choices. You didn't say spaced. You're right. I didn't. <laughs> there must be a Dead reason. To me. <laughs> and oh, finally, we're breaking these two up. <laughs> You guys have to just keep it together for a week. <laughs> and finally, Simon, the best thing about being in the fringe. Being able to say the phrase, oh, yeah, you know, my fringe play. <laughs> it's no big deal. Right on. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thanks yes. for having us. Thank you, yes. 
What are we talking about, Adam, next show? Well, thanks to your fabulous connections with the world of science, Scott, we will have a guest in to talk to us about insects, particularly local ones, like killer bees and scorpions, because it's Edmonton. And we have a lot of killer bees and scorpions here. Apparently. All right, thanks once again, guys, for coming out. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, Episode 5. Our guests, Simon Crowley and Mike Young. Our topic, The Fringe Festival, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening. Lovely singing voice you must have.